You're listening to Faith with Friends podcast, where we talk about faith, relationships, spiritual growth. Welcome to our circle and the conversation where we seek to know God and make Him known. Now, here's your host, Lisa Lorenzo. Do you struggle with conflict or long for deeper, more meaningful relationships? On today's episode of Friends with Family, Therapy Thursday with Lisa and Dr. Lydia, we're going to talk about overcoming conflicts with healthy communication skills. I'm joined today again by Dr. Lydia Martinez, a PhD in marriage and family therapy. She's a licensed mental health counselor and has a master certification in addiction. You can reach her for Christian counseling at 786-565-6916 or on her webpage, www.drlidiamartinez.com. Welcome back, Dr. Lydia. How are you today? Oh, I'm so, so blessed to be here. And thank you for having me again. I'm, I am really good and I'm very excited to, to just dig in. So effective communication should be about building trust and strengthening relationships. And definitely that enables us to have deeper and more healthy relationships when we can communicate our needs, wants, disappointments better, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think these things take time, trust, rapport. You can't just do that in in two minutes. I mean, you could, but it's more superficial. Right. And when you really care about someone, these things take a lot of time so that you know where your heart is, right? Yes. And I find that when I look at these lists, there are definitely areas that we can all improve in. Yes. And what I think about too is as a Christian woman is how do we incorporate God's word or God's hand in in our relationships and how we communicate. All right, so let's take a look at some biblical communication principles to improve your skills. Let's just jump in with number 1. Okay, so number 1, where would we begin? And we we have to prepare our hearts. We have to get started. We start at at the the beginning, which is our heart, and that's with God. So how do we do that? Let's meditate on his word, okay? Especially if you're going to, if we're talking about improving your skills, then the assumption is that there's something wrong with your skills, right? Right. Or, Or that we're thinking that there's something we have to better ourselves with. And who better than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to guide us through that, right? And in his word, you have a psalm here, Psalm 119. You want to read it for us? It says, I will meditate on your precepts and thoughtfully regard your ways, the path of life established by your precepts. That's um, the amplified version. Okay. And that a lot of meaningful words there, but you know, for those beginning to read the Bible, what does that mean? Precepts and establishing on your precepts. Boy, that's a, that's a mouthful, but basically I'm going to tell you what it means. It means that you have to focus on his word. You have to put yourself aside and you have to think about if you're in a conflict, ask him, him meaning God, ask him to come into your heart and to help you find what that compass is, what that moral compass is, what is your value, what is your goal in the conversation. So when you step outside of of an argument and you go to his word and you meditate on his word, that changes your outlook. It reminds you what your values are, and it helps with your communication. And that's how we honor God. That's how we honor Him and everything that we do. And um, I found, I looked up that word precepts, and it says law or His ways. But 
in this one, it actually refers directly to in relationships. So in our relationship with God, he gives us guidelines. And through his word, he gives us guidelines on how to communicate and interact with others. And meditating on it, just sitting and reading and allowing it to seep into our heart, to change our mind, to wash our minds, right? That's where the change comes, just spending time picking apart his word, really unpacking it. How does his word, how does God's word, the Bible, apply to my current situation? I think that that's an important one. Yeah, and it's a good place to start, definitely. Especially when you're in an argument and you're thinking, oh, no, I'm right. No, he's right. No, she's right. No, it's pulling away and going to God so that he can give you that starting point, that mediation, that beginning. And so what is the next one you have on? So number two is come with your heart set on restoration. And so that's a tough one, right? Yes, because I thought the whole point of conflict resolution was for me to prove myself right, (laughs) defend myself properly. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, but sometimes we don't have to be the ones that are wanting to, we don't have to be the ones. When you're doing this in Christ, you don't have to be the one that has to defend yourself. You let him do it for you. Exactly. And the point of surrender. Counter, yeah. And it's counterintuitive. It's not what the world tells us. The world says, oh, it's me time. You have to stand up for yourself. You know, it is completely opposite of what the world says. Yes. And what is your goal? Is your goal to be right? Or is your goal to have peace? That's an important question to ask yourself. That's and when you know that you have to start with number one to get to number two. That's right. And number one is God. Right. And, and meditation reminds us to be sincere and to know or examine our heart's condition. So really like knowing your heart, knowing where you're at, examining your own goals in this conflict can lead you to focus on, okay, what is God calling me to do? Where can I, where can I die to self or lay down my rights in order to get to this, to show God's love and to get to a place of restoration? Yes. I've heard you say die to self several times in other podcasts, but for the baby Christian who's listening to this and is thinking, what does that mean? Can you explain that? I think one way to explain it is giving up my right to be right. It means choosing to follow and honor God's principles above my own wants and desires. So I'm going to allow my wants and desires to die so that Christ wants and desires can live in me through me to the other person. And that's a tall order because when you don't know Christ or you don't know what his desires are, it's hard to push your own feelings and wants and needs aside for that moral compass. So uh, yeah, definitely always pointing back to God's word. And, And the more you're in God's word, the more that you will be grounded. So you have that moral compass. So how do you know what is your part or what is the other person's part? If you're trying to have some kind of conflict resolution or some improvement in your communication skills, which leads right into number three, take responsibility for your part. Yes. What do you think that means? I think first I need to examine my, my kids used to, I used to drive them crazy because I was, they would come to me after school and they'd want to tell me what happened in school. Tommy did this. And I'm like, no, no, I want to know what you did first. I want to know what your part was before we talk about somebody else's part. And that's something I try to implement on my own. Matthew 7 tells us to take the log out of your own eye so you can see more clearly the speck 
in your brother's eye. So look first in your part. So then you can examine what the other person's done. And I love the the comparison there that they're telling you to take the log, like get this big thing out of your eye, then worry about the little tiny speck in the eye of somebody else. Yeah, it gives think, perspective. And I think that is very wise because basically that humbles the other, that your humbleness will allow the other person to hear you, I think, better. So mm-hmm. I think taking responsibility, you know, when we met last time, I said some things that I really shouldn't have and I deeply regret saying, and I just want to put it out there. And instead of saying, well, I said this because you did this, mm-hmm. you know, there's always that justification. I think taking responsibility, asking forgiveness, it gives you almost permission to speak to the other person. Now, are you willing to hear my heart and the things that have hurt me in this situation? If somebody comes to me first apologizing and taking responsibility for their actions, that's going to soften my heart and I'll be more willing to be honest with myself, with God and with them about my part in it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a good point. You know, just yes, just a couple of days ago, I had a, someone approach me and, you know, they confronted me about a decision that I had made, which affected this person. And I had no idea that it affected her in any way, shape or form. And so as I was listening to her, I could hear in her voice that she was, she was genuinely hurt and she took it personal, but, and it, and to be honest with you, it had nothing to do with her at all. She just happened to be not in the crossfire because it wasn't a bad decision. It was just a right. decision had to be made. And, and as these steps were being taken, she happened to be a result of one of those things. And, um, you know, when she contacted me, I thought, I had no idea that this chain of events would have happened and affected her personally. So the first thing that I said to her was, I'm sorry. I really am sorry for offending you in any kind of way. And wow, she was looking for that. And and it actually took her a few months to, to make that call. So it has been on her heart. She has been hurt for a long time uh, and had no idea. And it was a complete misunderstanding. But I don't think that she would have heard me had I come back and said, oh, well, this decision wasn't made because of you. This decision was made because of all these other reasons. This is where I'm coming from. She just needed to hear that apology. And and I was very sorry. You know, I I heard it in her voice. I don't want to hurt anyone. I, I, that was not my intentions. Right. And I told her that I said, Hey, look, that that's not where I'm coming from. That wasn't my intention. Again, I'm really sorry. I apologized again for it too. And as soon as that was cleared, then she was ready to move on to the, you know, okay, so what are we going to do next? What's the next step? What do we have to do? And I was like, Oh, that was, that was easy. That was quick. Yeah. You no, know? such a good lesson not to hold things in your heart, but to address them quickly, because how many months was she suffering thinking maybe it was intentional or right. really suffering with hurt and feeling whatever she was feeling. Right. Or if she would have come to you a few months ago and said, hey, can I ask about this decision you made? Would have avoided all that time that she probably suffered through it. Yeah. Which leads me to the next one is to ask the right questions, which will probably be the next step in our communication is I'm going to ask her more questions like, how, how long have you been feeling this way? Or where did that come from? Or has there ever been a time in your life that you felt like this? before? Has there ever been a time in your life that you can uh, remember that you felt like this and overcame it, you know, to see where that conversation leads? And, and that's just to be able to clarify and get to a deeper level. I think asking the right questions are important. 
Right. You know, which is the question not to ask. What? Why is like, oh, yes, not a good question. That'll shut you down. Definitely. And don't ask yes or no questions. You want to generate conversation. You want to generate, you want to let them know that you are communicate you want it you're interested in communicating you're interested in hearing what they have to say and if you ask the right questions like how what when where these kind of questions they they open you up to to appearing like you are interested in them and that's true if you do use the open-ended questions you're going to gather more information right and i love that the perfect example for that is jesus who engaged others constantly. When they came to him with questions, he turned it around and asked them. And it reveals your heart. It shows your thoughts. Somebody asked me one day, well, how are you processing that? And I was like, I'm not processing anything. I'm bitter. How am I processing that made me think, wait, how am I processing? Have I taken it to God? Have I talked to a trusted friend? How am I processing it? I think that it allows you to to connect because now they see concern, right? They see it helps you to understand the other person's point of view. And I always try to ask this question when somebody comes to me and says, well, you, you know, you always ignore me. Well, can you give me an example? I'm not trying to argue. Show me where I do that because I don't recognize that that's one of my character flaws. I don't know that that's something I do. So can you show me where I do that? Give me an example. And then you'll see right away because some people accuse you of something that you know you don't do or don't do intentionally and they can't think of one. But usually I say, well, like last week when we were talking and you took a call in the middle of the conversation, I felt slighted or ignored. Okay, well, I can acknowledge then, you know, I did do that. And I'm sorry, I didn't realize that was important to you. But asking questions like that goes a little deeper and helps the person to relax a little because now they're being heard and we all want to be understood and heard, right? Yes, which leads us to our next point, Lisa, to practice active listening. Be quick to listen and slow to anger. That is a good one. Be slow to anger and quick to listen. Mm -hmm. You know what I usually tell people? That normal social communication is like playing tennis, okay? So I'll serve you something. Hi, how are you? The other person will say, right back to me. Oh, I'm good. How are you? And then, you know, you keep going. And and it's like a tennis match. One, the other one. Oh, I'm doing great. I, I went shopping today. Oh, yeah, I went shopping too. Oh, I got this. Oh, I got that. And that's not genuine listening. That's just social conversation. Okay, that's just how it happens. But there is another type of conversation. And it's, it's like playing racquetball up against the wall. Okay. And for every force, there's an equal and opposite force. That's physics. And the same thing happens when you're a good listener. You're like that racquetball wall. You Give back the message that has been given to you without interjecting what your opinion is. So if somebody says, hi, how are you? Well, that one doesn't count because you're going to answer it. Oh, I'm good. How are you? But it falls into place when someone says, oh, I'm, I'm having a terrible day today. I had a flat tire. I had a hard time. You don't turn around and say, oh, I'm having a, a great day today. I didn't have a flat tire. I, you know, or you say, oh, well, I had two flat tires. You know, you're not competing with the conversation. You're not trying to one up the person. If active listening says, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to give back to you what you just said so that it's complimentary. I think there's two parts of that. So in a conflict, listening to understand 
instead of listening to respond. There's right. such a great difference between those two. If I'm listening to what I'm going to come back and tell you or, or combat you with, right? I'm, right? I'm listening for words that you're wrong about or that I don't agree with so that I can, so I can dispute that with you. So listening to understand where you're coming from is much different than listening to respond. And then it's, I love the example you gave because when I leave my house, I always pray, God, help me to be sensitive to your spirit. And I've run into people at Publix just recently, ran into an old friend at Publix and I was in a hurry. And I said, oh, hi, how are you? And she, oh, come, 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 And then she started, you know, I don't know if you heard that my mom was sick. And, and then she started like, I recognized in the moment, this person needs to be heard. We're standing in the middle of Publix and she's pouring her heart out. And I was mm. like, give me a second. Text the person I was supposed to be meeting to let them know I'm going to be late. And I was like, you want to go get coffee? Because she really just needed to be heard. I didn't have any answers to her. I couldn't change her situation. She needed to be heard. Yeah. And that, that's nice when you, when you can find someone that you can confide in and that can hear you. But not everybody is in the right time or the right place for that. Right. So it was nice that you were able to give her that time and to, to do that. But it's important that if you are feeling like you're not heard and, and you can't find someone, again, like step number one said, what do we do? We, we seek God. Go back to God, we, right. Mm-hmm. So we're halfway through and, and now we're going to do the other side, you know, number six and yes. number six says seek godly counsel when you're in doubt, because people sometimes aren't there for you or they're busy or, and who is our greatest counselor, right? Yes. Our greatest counsel is the Lord God, Jesus, the Holy spirit. That's right. There you go. And, and I think it is great advice though, because when you're in the middle of a conflict and you're angry or hurt, our self-talk sometimes isn't healthy. No. And I've convinced myself of your bad motives and your bad actions. But if I can just talk to one person who's really grounded, who loves me, maybe even the other person, but loves God over that, then I know that their advice or their counsel, for lack of a better word, right? Their actual counsel is going to be a godly one. I have a friend of mine that tells me when I call her and I'm like, dearest, Dearest, this happened and this happened and this is going on. And I don't know what she always tells me. Well, let's look up. She says, you're looking around. You're telling me everything that's happening around you. But let's look up and invite God into the situation. And that has such a calming effect over me because I'm like, you know what? Does this have eternal value? Is there anything going on here that can't be fixed? Is it something that is out of God's control? No. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you need that friend to speak that truth into you. And if you don't have a friend today and you're listening and you're thinking, I don't, my friends are more of a mess than I am. And I don't have that friend, then open your Bible and seek your counsel through the mediator, through the Holy spirit, because he's always there for you. And he has your best interest at heart. Yeah. And he's our helper. So if you are already, you've already accepted your Lord and Jesus Christ as your savior, uh, you have this helper inside of you. You know, you have that, that little inkling, that little voice that makes you nudges you to do stuff or, or nudges you to muzzle up and stay quiet. You know, that's your, that is the mediator. That is the Holy spirit. So he's, and you can pray for Christian friends too. That's right. I think think you can pray for these things. You can ask for these things. You can pray for clarity, pray for in the book of James, it says that if you, if we pray for wisdom, he'll give it to us that discernment, you know, which is so important. And to have that helps you so you make better decisions for yourself. And Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no guidance, people fail. 
but in an abundance of counselor, there is safety. And that's nice because you must try to surround yourself with like-minded people. If you do that, then you will have a better chance of having that support system. You want to have that built in before a crisis comes in so that you're ready. As soon as something happens, you have your go-to person or people that you can talk to, to give you a transparent message, to tell you and give you feedback, which goes into number seven, give and receive feedback. And what does that mean? It means to ask for clarification. What do you mean? Can you give me an example, kind of a question? And that this is for you to respond in a way that shows that shows the person you're talking to that you're listening and that you understand what they're saying. Not whether you agree with it or not. This right. is your opinion. This is yes. about you giving back what they, not what they want to hear, but you're reflecting or you're paraphrasing what they're saying. That's powerful. Yes. Okay. For example, and, if mm-hmm. I understand you correctly, if I hear you right, you're feeling this. And sometimes... I will say that to a person and they're like, that's not what I meant. And I'm like, well, then show me, show me what you mean. Because sometimes we're saying things and our words come out differently. I had a conversation with my son once and we were sitting outside of the house and it was recording on the ring. We had this heated discussion and I told him that is not what I said. I said this. And he said, no, it isn't. That's not what you said. And I said, yes, I did. My gosh. Well, I went back to prove to him I was right. And I showed him on the, on the ring. I was wrong. I didn't say anything like that. What do you mean? That's what I thought I said. My intention was one thing. My emotions twisted it. It came out totally different. So asking people and reiterating what you mean, saying it in different ways. And I think for me is giving examples, not necessarily to that person, but a third person. So Mm -hmm. what you're saying is that if somebody came and asked you if, if they could do this for you, you would say no, no. Well, that's what I, that's what I understand you're saying. So just that discussion where you're helping me to understand, let's reason together. And when you are in commune, when you are in community, when you are reasoning together, it's so nice because you're joined together on the same side rather than being opposing factors to each other. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, Lisa, that when you like someone, you're more easy, easy about forgiving, easy about understanding. You're going to extend a little bit more grace. Uh, And when you don't like someone or you're in a bad spot with them, it could be the very same person. You're just upset with them. You're in a different place. It's going to take you in a different direction. And you're not going to feel like very understanding or you're not going to want to understand or communicate or even give them an inch. Easy to love those who love me. (laughs) Right. But we have to try to step outside of our shoes and be able to step in other people's shoes, at least temporarily, just to understand. And that's empathy. That's number eight, to be able to show empathy and compassion. But both of these are different, empathy and compassion. Empathy is you literally stepping out of your shoes and trying to see things from their perspective. And compassion is you're feeling sorry for them. Or not just sorry for them, but you're feeling like you're you can do more for them. So to empathize, you need to be aware of others' emotions and most likely revealed in their body language or their nonverbal cues and to feel those emotions as if they were your own, but only temporarily. Okay. Because 
what you're doing is you're 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 joining with and when they're happy and excited then then you're happy and excited you experience that right. that's how we communicate with people yes and if they're grieving and they're sad it makes you sad that's what connects us to movies you know that that's what connects you to if you'll notice when you watch a movie the first part first few minutes is you're trying they they want you to get to know the people in the movie So they'll show you like a day in the life. This is what their real day in the life is. So, you know, you connect with them. You go, oh, they're having a hard time. And and you remember your hard times or, oh, they're so happy. And you remember your happy times. And then they start taking you through the story. And that's the kind of empathy you want to have with your friends is, oh, they're going through a hard time. I know what that's like. I've I've been there. And no, but it's not. You, you Go ahead. I think it's when you've been through something, I had breast cancer. And whenever I hear somebody else had breast cancer, I'll tell them, ask them if I can call them. And sometimes they don't want to get calls. And I'm like, listen, I know what they need to hear. I know. And it never fails. I mean, it's, I believe it's a ministry that God has given me to encourage women going through the same thing. It reminds me, there's two verses, actually. First Peter 3, 8 says to have a mind of unity, of sympathy, of brotherly love a tender heart and a humble mind. And then Romans 12, 15 tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. I think when you've been through something, it's not a requirement, right? If, I, if I've if i just lost my mom, you can be a friend to me. You can come and sit with me. And you, But if you've lost your mom, we have an instant connection because I know the pain you're feeling. And it's mm-hmm. totally different. Not to take away from a friend who wants to be there who has never lost their mom. That's a great ministry just to be with a friend, to be present, to try to meet their needs. I think in conflict, that's a hard one for me to show compassion with somebody who's not agreeing with me, who's fighting with me, who may have hurt me. But if Mm -hmm. I can see that, if I can remember they are broken sinner, just like me, then I'm more empty to show compassion and remember, listen, we're all broken sinners. Let's try to get along and find a place where we can love and respect each other. Mm -hmm. And that's... That is tough. I have to say that in the middle of a fight, in the middle of an argument, showing empathy or compassion, I don't think that's the first thing on anybody's mind. But giving yourself a little space, maybe walking away, maybe asking for some time, just a moment to wait or stopping the interaction, you know, the tennis match, slowing the tennis match. You know, you have a choice. You can either continue to talk or you can just be quiet and just stop the escalation. And then in those moments, if you can stop and and turn it around where you are empathic, that's like a total, that's like a a train going in one direction. How do you stop a train going in one direction? Sometimes you can't, sometimes just slowing that down. And which leads into number nine, you know, choosing your words carefully. You don't want to be that train that is just going to turn into a train wreck if you don't stop talking. And do you, and you want to make sure you slow yourself down because once it comes out of your mouth, uh, you're not taking it back again. That's right. And no matter how much you try to reframe it or think about it or, or, you know, no matter how many times you say you're sorry, that cuts once it comes out. mm -hmm, Yeah, it's hard. So it's very important for you to try to slow yourself down, use words carefully and and if you can, in that heat of the moment, try to see things from the other person's point of view. And if you can't, if you can't go that far, then at least be quiet. 
And we need to remember what Proverbs 18, 21 says, that in the tongue, there's it has power of life and death. I remember an example that I was given once that a little boy would say mean things. And every time he said something mean, the mom would make him go outside and nail a nail, hammer a nail into the wood fence. And every time he would have a disagreement with somebody and wouldn't say something mean, he could go outside and take the nail out. And finally, he got to the point that there were no more nails left. And the mom took him outside and said, what do you see? And he said, there's holes. And she said, exactly. You've learned not to use the words, but the damage is already done. Those holes are there. So that's such a great, be careful with your words because you can't take them back. And, you know, I think that it is a powerful thing to say something heated in an argument that you didn't mean and to go back and take responsibility for it and say, you know, I said this when I was really upset and angry, and that's not how I Mm -hmm. feel about you. So I think that's so important because if not, I personally think that's how you feel about me. That must be how you really feel about me, right? If you said it in the heat of a moment, that's you let yourself be true. No, I let myself be dumb. I let myself be over-emotional. I let myself be used of the enemy. So, and I also think when in an argument, if we can, I use the words I, we, me, when I'm taking responsibility for myself, but moving forward, using the words us and we, unifying ourselves. We're facing forward now, Moving forward, I want us to be able to understand each other. I think we can do better, not mm-hmm. you can do better. We can do better. Those are the and kind of a, words that bring unity. Not only unity, Lisa, but those kind of words, they they say, I want a future relationship. I want to continue with this, yeah. you know, which is very healthy. And you have a choice. Every time you have an argument, you have a choice. You have a choice to either hurt or to help the situation. And very clearly, the words that you choose are going to define exactly, there's no gray area here. You're either going to hurt or help. So we already talked about the words that can hurt, but there are words that you can choose to help. And those are words of forgiveness, which is number 10. I love Um, this. This Ken Sand, we talk about him in a, we've spoken about him in a, a past podcast. He's the author of Peacemaking. And he says that for authentic forgiveness, he gives four concrete promises. So this is like a test of your heart. Like if you're going to say, I'm sorry, can you say these four things? Can you say, I promise I won't bring this up and use it against you in the future? What? You mean I cannot store that in my heart against you? I can't keep that in my little list in my back pocket for the next time you do the same thing? No, I promise not to bring it up and I will not use it against you. The second promise to see if you can make is, I promise I am not going to dwell on it in my own heart and mind. So that's really speaking to the letting go and letting God. If I'm going to forgive you, is it done? Can I just let it go? I'm not going to dwell on it anymore. The third one is, I'm not going to talk to other people about it. Right. So in other words, it's no longer in my heart. I'm not going to think on it. I'm not going to ponder it. And I'm not going to discuss it. It's over. I have forgiven it. And the last one is, I'm not going to let it stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. And see that last one builds. That last one says, I'm willing to let it go. I'm willing to move forward. And I value our relationship. I want to move, move ahead, continue building rather than, than destroying. So forgiveness is the foundation of a Christian faith. And Christ did die for us while we were still sinners. So if we want to be more Christ-like, then we have to learn to be more, 
more forgiving. More forgiving. And I'm telling you, that number one, I won't bring this up again. You can Ooh, keep bringing it up. A, it's so important. <laughs> well, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. You cannot word. do that. When you're hurt on, on a deep level, you cannot forgive without the power of the Holy Spirit. I really believe that. Oh, yeah. I don't this think kind I of forgiveness, complete forgiveness. And Ken says that forgiveness is both an event and a continual process. And the Bible so, says that too, yes, right? I can forgive you today, but if you... If I see you tomorrow and I wake up in a bad mood, I might want to hold it against you again. No, I'm going to choose to forgive you again. And this is the hard part that I'm learning this year. I can forgive you even when, when the action, thought, or words are continuous. Because hmm. the forgiveness is really for me, not for you. Right. right. So I'm going to choose to forgive because I don't want to hold bitterness in my heart. I don't want my prayers hindered. I don't want my relationship with my, my God to be distant. So even when it's ongoing, I can choose to forgive that person. And oh my gosh, that is the most freeing experience to have. And that is something that I think comes with spiritual growth, time in the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the freedom he gives us to say, God, I let it go. Mm -hmm. And it's a process. Yeah. You know, it's almost a grieving process. Yeah. Because you're, you're hanging on to that bitterness or you're hanging on to that hurt. And, and you have to ask yourself, what's, what's the goal here? Why, what do I want? What do I get out of this? Where am I headed? What is the goal in this relationship? Which leads to the next one. Are you going to be a peacemaker or a peace, not a peacekeeper? Right. Okay. So you're not going to be a doormat. Okay. Right. But you, you do want to think about like, well, what's the goal and what I'm about to do or what I'm about to say or how I'm going to react to what was just said or how I'm going, what am I going to do with what was just done? You know, asking yourself, am I going to be a peacemaker or a peacekeeper? Right. That's very important. Well, so peace Romans 12, 18 says that as far as it depends on you live peaceable with everybody. So let's talk about that. What is the difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper? Because they both sound pretty. Mm-hmm. So the peacekeeper wants to avoid conflict at all costs. So I'm willing to take this hurt that I have and bundle it in my heart and store it somewhere. And I'm just going to let you off the hook. Or they've, somebody's hurt you and there is a thing of forgiving too quickly. I haven't processed it yet. I haven't gotten there. I'm just, I don't want to just say I'm sorry when I'm not, you know, or accept an apology from somebody else when I'm not ready to, I need to discuss it. I need to pray about it. So a peacekeeper, you can think of somebody who keeps the dust under the rug. They, they keep everything. They don't rock the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, it usually ends with frustration, shallow or broken relationships. And what about peacekeepers, uh, p- peacemakers? What is a peacemaker? They're willing to do the, the hard heart work of dealing with the conflict in a way that brings healing and restoration. And it ends in unity and reconciliation most often. Right. Um, but it but can end in peace with other other people, even if the relationship isn't unstored. So the thinking behind the peacemaker is that I'll forgive you. I'll forget it, but I don't want to continue in relationship with you. Okay. I'm going to let it go. I, but I just don't think that it would, it would be too toxic to continue. Yes. Uh, While the keep peacekeeper says, I'm just going to not say anything because I just don't want, I want to avoid a fight. I want to make sure we're not, you know, we're at a family gathering right now. I don't want to say anything because it's going to create a scene. 
So I'm just going to stay quiet. But then later on, they feel violated. Years go by Mm -hmm. without ever speaking to, you know, when you say this, it hurts me. And so years go by that you've put all of this uh, baggage away and stored it in your heart. And now you can't stand to see the person walk in the room. Right. Or the opposite, you might have a conflict that the person's not sorry, but you let it go. You speak your truth in love, and then you're able to see that person and not feel hatred or bitterness in your heart because you've done the hard work, the heart work, that's right? You've forgiven mm-hmm. and moved on and released anything that's left in them. Like the verse said, it, as long as it belongs to you, I can see that person. I can be okay because I can love that person as a as a fellow Christian or just a family member, whatever. I don't need to hide my feelings. I can express them in a loving, truthful way and seek that peace. And hopefully there is complete restoration and reconciliation. But know that if it's not, I can have peace with that situation. Maybe they don't want restoration. Maybe they don't want to have anything to do with you. But you speak your truth. You try to be the person to bring it together, to bring it to conversation, and then let go and let God. Mm -hmm. And it's tough because there's always a lesson to be learned. Sometimes the lesson is, okay, I know not to to do or to listen in that way or or to or to say those things to that person or or sometimes the lesson is, oh, I've learned the way that this person is. This is not a a temporary or a misunderstanding or a situational thing. This person is toxic. So there's always a lesson to be learned. Always. And 12 says, the next one is, remember the golden rule. Which is what? So, do unto others as whatever you would ha- like them to do to you. This is important. This one yes. is very important. Yeah. And, and we fall short of that sometimes. So, it, so that's why it's important to be authentic and kind and treat others with respect. I think that that is the, the modern version. Treat others with respect, the same respect that you want back. I agree. I agree. So if we- I think that is, if you think, how am I going to walk into this, this conversation? Well, how would you want them to walk into the conversation? Right. Whether you're the person injured or you're the person that injured another, how would you want the other person to respond if you were in their shoes? That is something that, you know, that verse that you read, Matthew seven twelve. that is something that we should wake up. I mean, we should wake up every morning and remember treat others the way I want to be treated. Treat right. others how Christ treated me with mercy and grace and love. And that moves to number 13. Humility and love. And in Ephesians, it says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So your ego is not great at putting other people first, right? No, it's not. And what is great at putting other people first? Christ, humility. That's that's right. So it's taking kind of a, again, a counterintuitive, different than what the world says. It's taking a, a one down position and saying others first, me last. That's tough. That's that tough, tough in the middle of a Listen, fight. That verse, if I were writing Ephesians, I would have left the word completely out. <laughs> I would just say, be humble and gentle, be patient and bear with one another in love. I think that's enough. But it says, be completely humble. What? Right. Right. It's impossible to be completely humble without Christ. That's right. I want to say that you can judge how much time I've spent in the word every day by my humbleness or lack thereof. And that's true. That's true. And, and that's it comes with, pray about. 
Yeah, and it comes with maturity too. I think that that comes with maturity with time. But again, like we started, we started with considering the heart. Yes, and it's good to to examine our heart and look at past conflicts, actions, words. We have to look at them. And why? Because it gives you a pattern of how people act and react. You can see their their actions, their reactions. You see this pattern, and then you know you know if this is someone who is toxic, they're going to have that all over the place. There's going to be the same, that same pattern. But if you know that this person has good intentions, you know, nobody's perfect. There's going to be misunderstandings. I love that this is second to the last because the second one was for you to come with the heart of restoration. And this one is looking past this person's actions into their heart. So now we've examined our heart. And now almost at the end, we're looking at their heart. Yes. You know, again, this, how does their traumas, how have their life experiences formed the heart in this person? Right. And last but not least, Lisa, I think this maybe should have been the first one is keep your sense of humor. Of course, when appropriate, but keep your sense of humor. This would be a great part of your, your toolkit, you know, having a good sense of humor, kind of laughing things off so that you lighten the moment a little bit. So it's not yes. so tense. Uh, so that, that helps. And it's a great verbal communication skill. Yes. And we're reminded in Psalm 1611, that he makes you make known to me the path of life. And in your presence, Lord, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand is pleasures forevermore. I think it's a good reminder to know that as a believer, if you are a believer, all suffering for believers are temporary. So whatever situation or conflict you find yourself in as a believer, it's not going to last forever. It's only going to last for this little time that we have on earth and focusing on the eternal value and the relationships, how God can change that person maybe. I mean, he's definitely changing us, right? Like I think as Christians, we can often focus on what we want to see and change in other people. God's always changing us. That sanctification Mm -hmm. process is is that um, nail file that's always filing off the rough edges. And the rough edges sometimes are the other people. But guess what? You are their rough edges. So remembering that and coming to the situation, recognizing usually most conflict, I'll say. There are deep, hurtful, painful traumas in life. But most of the conflict in most of our lives isn't life-changing. Right. And talking about perspective, this does not apply to abusive relationships. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Yeah, no, this applies to you're having an argument, you have a a heated discussion, but this in no way, shape or form condones any kind of power control that someone may have over another person and in any way, shape or form. Yes. And we want to say that if you're listening today and you find yourself in an abusive relationship or in a relationship that's just not healthy, that it's dangerous or traumatic experience, there you have a God that you can cry out to. Mm-hmm. There's churches, somebody you love and respect on the outside. There's Christian counselors that you can reach out to. You, you're not suffering alone. God is with you. And what would you say to that person that maybe is sitting here and listening to this great list, but thinking, you don't know what I'm going through in my right. current relationship. It's horrible and I need to get out. Oh, for those kind of people, you know, that there are crisis hotlines available. And in Dade County specifically, we have one that's uh, 305-358-HELP. You can call that number. It's a 24-hour crisis hotline. And it is also a 
referral. So you can call them and say, oh, look, I'm in this zip code and I need this kind of help, this kind of specialist, and they'll help you find them. Or you just need 15 minutes of someone to bounce ideas off of. They'll help you with that too. Or they are a crisis hotline. So it's a great place to go to. But if there is ever ideas of to hurt yourself or hurt someone else, and that's coming out in your relationship, then the quickest answer for that is call 911. 911, get to a safe place, get to a safe spot. And then at that point, you can, you will have professionals that can help you immediately. Well, we had a great discussion today. We're learning how to be better communicators. And speaking of communication, we have our great mediator, the Holy Spirit. So I think that it would be great if you would close us out in prayer and pray for all of those women, our friends, and the friends of God that are listening today that need a little extra help in healthy communication. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Dr. Lydia being with us today. Father, I pray for whoever's listening and is discouraged and finding it hard to to look forward into the future to a time that they can have deeper relationships with healthy communication. Lord, I pray that you would minister to them, that you would speak to their hearts, that you would encourage them and bring like-minded people along the way. And if there's somebody listening that's in a dire situation, Father, would you be their helper? Would you lead them to that number in Miami or to call 911? Get them help, Father, and remind them that they are not alone. You are with them. We love you. We give you this day, and we ask that you would use this podcast however you desire, Lord. May you extend it for your glory and the fame of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's Faith with Friends podcast. We hope you will like and subscribe as we continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at Faith with Friends. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you forward to your friends so our circle will continue to grow?